So this is Ephesians 3, 14 to 21. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. But we're beginning, uh, we're beginning a series, uh, well, we began a series last week really on prayer and we looked at those two parables in Luke chapter 11 uh, that Jesus gave. But, but from today, we're going to work our way through the Lord's Prayer itself. Uh, I thought as we think about prayer this year uh, from time to time, it was good to start with just what Jesus said when they asked him exactly that question, you know, teach us to pray. Uh, so before I preach, thought let, let's close our eyes and say the Lord's Prayer together, which we'll be looking at over the coming few weeks. So let's pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Okay, so you can you can still all, all hear me okay, because I've, I've now got some notes up on my screen. You can still see me okay, I, I'm, I'm hoping and hear me. So as Jesus teaches us to pray, he gives us this uh, model of prayer, which has become known as the Lord's Prayer. And it begins by addressing God as our Father. And those first words are the basis of everything that follows. In fact, they are the basis of all Christian prayer. With these first words, Jesus is really defining our relationship with God, in, and he's doing so in a way that nobody else had really quite done so before. Now, while the Old Testament had used images of fatherhood and indeed also motherhood to describe certain aspects of God, Jesus takes that much further here. He says this is not just about metaphors to picture some aspect of God. This is a way to actually address God directly. And that's a very bold thing to say when you think about it. You know, this is God. This is the, the supreme being uh, in all and above all the universe. And of all the words that Jesus could have chosen, he says that we should use this one, Father, as we address God. Now, Jesus himself called God Father all the time. And we often understand that in terms of Jesus being the divine son of God, you know, the second person of the Trinity, father, son and spirit. But Jesus says that we ourselves can call God father, too, using the very same word that he did. 
so that in some some very real sense uh, the same kind of relationship the same kind of love that jesus and the father and the spirit enjoy within god that is the same relationship the same love that we ourselves share in too and that's that's incredible when jesus rose from the dead he actually said to his disciples i am now returning to my father and your father to my god and your god so in the same breath there in the same words jesus includes us within the language of relationship that describes the godhead father son and spirit and then there's us as well you and me saying our father welcomed into the love of god's family and that's where jesus begins as he teaches us to pray he says to us that we need to begin when we pray we need to begin by understanding the relationship we have with god god is our father and we are his children and of course it is jesus himself who cements that relationship in place because as the new testament says christ died for our sins once for all to bring us to god we're told that in christ jesus we are all children of god and that we're born not of natural descent but born of god as his children in fact the bible really begins its story with this in genesis 1 uh, in genesis 1 god is the source the father of all things he gives life to all creation and we are created there in genesis uh, we are born we might say in god's image and likeness and and those words image and likeness are words in the bible that describe the family likeness of a child to their parent and that's the first thing the bible says about us the most fundamental thing about your life god is your father and when we fear that our sin might have destroyed that bond that we have with god well it's then that jesus comes along to say that he's restored anything that might have been lost or marred because jesus became human one of us and he lived and died and rose again for us so god is still our father because we are his in christ and that ultimately is all that matters when it comes to your relationship with god and when it comes therefore to prayer that's all that ultimately matters who you are in christ it is cemented in place by jesus which is why we pray in the name of jesus by the way and so jesus says when you pray begin it here say our father say that because jesus promises us you can say that now if jesus if jesus begins his teaching on prayer there i think that's telling us something important uh, christian prayer is not an attempt to construct that relationship with god yes prayer is a healthy part of that relationship but it's it doesn't construct it because if prayer begins with us already calling god father then that relationship already exists uh, one writer has put it like this and uh, they've used the rather old phrase wooing uh, any younger viewers uh, that's what a guy would do if he wanted a girl to fall in love with him all right uh, but this writer says when it comes to prayer we must be certain that no wooing of god is necessary we do not have to find ways of attracting god of getting him to notice us here is someone who is love itself and who is the very fountain of our own existence. So 
So here we have Jesus saying, God is father to us. We are his children. And it's on the basis of that already existing, inseparable relationship with God that everything else in this prayer flows. And that matters, practically speaking, because prayer must not be something that we're afraid of or that we think we have to get perfect. Prayer must not be thought of as something that either makes or breaks God's love for us. It does not. Every time we pray, pray, Jesus says, it begins with this unchangeable fact that God is your father, our father. Now, we immediately could run into a difficulty there because the word father can feel very different to different people, depending on what their relationship with their own human father has been like. So for some people, father is a nice word because they had a good experience of fatherhood in the home when they were growing up. For others, it's sort of a neutral word. There's good and bad because they experienced both good and bad in the family home. But for other people, it's an extremely difficult word even to hear. It has very painful associations because they had a very negative experience of fatherhood when they were growing up. And that's a very real thing. Uh, these are the limits of language, of course, by the way, you know, the meaning of words for us each comes out of our lived experience and our experience does vary tremendously at times. And, and that is, by the way, that's why we need the help of God's spirit together with words to teach us. Uh, so how do we learn uh, the right view of God as father, of God's fatherhood? What sort of father is God? Well, that's actually precisely one of the things that Jesus came to the world to show us. Uh, in John 14, Philip asks, asks this very question. Jesus has just said, if you know me, you know my father as well. And from now on, you do know him and have seen him. And then Philip says this to Jesus. He says, Lord, show us the father. In other words, what Philip was saying is show us what the father is like. Show us who the father is so that we will know him. And then Jesus said this. Don't you know me, Philip, after I've been among you so long? Anyone who has seen me has seen the father, for I am in the father and the father is in me. In other words, we see exactly what God the father is like as we see what Jesus is like. Because Jesus, we're told in the New Testament elsewhere, Jesus is the image of the invisible God. He is the exact imprint of God's, the Father's nature. Jesus and the Father do not have a different character or personality from each other. The Father and the Son are one, Jesus says. And to see Jesus is to see the Father as he's revealed to us in the person of Jesus. And there he is, walking around on the pages of the New Testament. There is Jesus, and that is what the Father is like. Uh, I really like the way that the theologian T.F. Torrance put it. He said this, there is no other God behind the back of Jesus. What he meant is, 
There's not another version of God different than Jesus hiding away, waiting to pop out from behind Jesus's back and surprise us with a character that we were not expecting. No, Jesus says anyone who's seen me has seen the father, has seen what the father is like. So if you are a person who, who struggles a bit with this word father, remember what Jesus said there in John 14. Just think of Jesus. Think of who Jesus was and is, what he's like, how he spoke. That is how God the Father is, always. Because in many ways, this title, Father, covers all the other names of God. Whatever else God is called in the Bible, he is that as the Father revealed to us in Jesus. He creates as Father. He saves as Father. He comforts us as Father. He provides for us as Father. He judges and corrects us as a father, forgives as father, weeps and rejoices over us as our father and pleads and pleads with us at times, but also praises us as our father. So all those things he does, leading us, teaching us, carrying us, raising us up, always he does so as the father who we see revealed in Jesus the son. And that is why Jesus told us prayer begins there on that basis because no matter what you're talking to God about when you pray whatever you're asking for or confessing or hoping for whatever it is we talk to God as our father who is revealed to us perfectly in Jesus Christ now in the first century world when Jesus said this uh, human fathers were responsible for the care and the provision and the well-being of everyone else within their household. So in calling God our father, what that means is that God actually takes responsibility for us and for the world. God cares for us. He provides for us. And our ultimate well-being is God's desire because he loves us as our father, as the one who brought us into being. And Jesus says that's the beginning of prayer. That's the basis of all prayer. That's what makes prayer possible. That's what makes prayer worth doing. The fact that we pray to a God whose life is deeply connected to ours, even when we don't realize it, even when we've perhaps strayed miles away from home. You know, the parable of the prodigal son shows us, doesn't it? God is the father who will still run to us with open arms the moment we come to our senses and turn to him. And Jesus says that's the basis of everything else that's going to follow as he teaches us to pray here in the Lord's Prayer. Now, if we understand that, that starting point and basis of all prayer, it frees prayer from many of the shackles that would otherwise hinder prayer. You know, ideas of prayer where God no longer seems to be the kind of father that Jesus revealed him to be. So we do have to be careful that our prayers don't slip from their moorings in that sense, that, that we don't stray from this starting point that Jesus gave us here, that God is our father. And if God was not our father, prayer would become unbearable at times, uncertain, anxious, burdensome, maybe even frightening. So it is very important that we keep remembering how Jesus told us to begin before we've said anything else we begin by calling God our father 
because Jesus has told us that is who God is for us. And that's what we should therefore call him. So start there, Jesus says, as the basis of all your prayers, because this is the reason why we pray at all, because God is our father. I want to close with these words from Romans chapter eight, because these are words that we must take in as I'm reading them in a minute, take these words from Romans 8 in and believe them as you hear them. So Romans 8 verses 15 to 17 says this. You did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God, co-heirs together with Christ. For even as we share in his sufferings, so we shall also share in his glory. Amen. Well, I've each week as we think about prayer, uh, I'm hoping each time I can find just a little short video by someone else to give us different perspectives on prayer. One thing I said last week is there's not just one way to pray. Do you remember I had you all those saddles from bikes, all the different shapes and sizes, just like prayer. There are lots of different ways to pray, different ways of approaching it. Uh, and that's fine. We all need to find where we're comfortable. So each week, last week, I showed a little video, video at the end of the sermon. I've got another one to show you now. And it just gives you, as I say, each week, hopefully, just another perspective on prayer um, so that we'll all hopefully find something that really speaks to us. So, so to this week, uh, I found a little short video um, where Rowan Williams uh, is speaking about what prayer is. And I think hopefully Steve's going to put this up for us now. Thank you. At the most basic level, I think prayer is the moment when I deliberately open up and say to God, what have you got to give me? Here I am, what have you got to give me? I'm trying to give you this time, this attention, not very well, but you know, trying to give you that space to come in. I'm opening the door, propping it open for half an hour or so. So please come in and do what you want to do. Now, I can then pile a few other things on top of that. I can say, and while you're here, <laughs> to God, um, you know I'm worried about X, Y, and Z. And while you're here, I'd better acknowledge, you know, I got that really badly wrong with so-and-so a week ago. And while you're here, thanks for that meeting. Thanks for that letter. And while you're oh, never mind. I'll just, you know. <laughs> and we, we break this down into um, prayers of petition, you know, praying for people, prayers of penitence, saying sorry, prayers of thanksgiving. But actually, for a lot of people, it's much more informal and I think just that sense well here's the time when I ask him in and there's a lot in the Bible and in the tradition which simply says <laughs> when you ask him in he can't say no one 
a writer in the Middle Ages says it's, it's almost like a vacuum being filled. You, know, you mm. make the space and he's there before you, before you know it. Can't stop himself. God so wants to be in our lives that if we give him the least excuse, he'll be there. We may not even have the words that said that, but he'll turn up. It's, it's again, in the gospel story, the, the woman who touches the edge of Jesus' cloak because she can't quite bear to face him, and yet she gets the full treatment. <laughs> He's there. Oh, somebody's touching my cloak. <laughs> there he is. Where, where is God, and why does he want to be there? I suppose because God's whole life is this loving intelligence, this this mind burning with love, which is focused on what's, what's made, what's come from him, from his will and his generosity. And he never abandons that. And so wherever there's space for him to be that little bit more present in it, he'll take the chance. Because, because he likes being God. <laughs> he, loves, he loves being love and intelligence, and he wants to see more of it in the, in the world. <laughs>